Question for the day. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple? We use that word a lot. The Bible uses that word a lot. And when we often think of what it means to be a disciple, we think of a student sitting at the foot of his teacher. In fact, this is, this is reinforced by the idea that when we read our English Bible, often the word rabbi is translated as teacher. So we tend to think about a disciple as someone who knows what their rabbi knows. Kind of like in college. You study under somebody about a topic and you basically know what they know. But, but this does not quite capture what it meant in the first century Judaism to be a disciple. And, and, it, and it is harming the church that we don't understand what it really means to be a disciple. The goal of a disciple was really to become like your rabbi. Okay, so, so what you would do is you would, at a very young age, if you were chosen to be a disciple of a rabbi, you would sit at the feet of your rabbi. And normally, you would have already learned most of the five books of the Bible. You would already know the Psalms. You'd already know a lot of the prophets by heart, by memorization. And if you weren't good at that, you just went back to your normal family job, like being a fisherman, okay, or being a carpenter. But if you were chosen to be a disciple of a rabbi and you studied under them, you didn't want to just learn. You wanted to try to copy. So, so discipleship was copying. What you would do is you would copy your, your, your rabbi. Like you'd want to pick up on their mannerisms. How do they eat? How do they say things? What are the funny little quirks that they do with their voice? What was their penmanship like? Okay, you like totally tried to saturate yourself in what this other rabbi, what your rabbi was like. In fact, there are stories of disciples hiding under the bed of their rabbi so that they could hear how the rabbi sleeps and does everything else in the bedroom. Now that sounds really weird, but it helps point. It's very creepy, in fact. But it points to this idea that what discipleship really isn't about is knowing. It's about being. It's about copying. Okay? And what you would do is you would just saturate yourself. You would try to be everything that you can to be like your rabbi until it was time for you to start becoming your own rabbi. So somewhere around the age of 30, the assumption was, okay, you, you become so much like your rabbi, now you can start to have some of your own thoughts and your own quirks that you can then pass along. Now think about that at 30. When did Jesus about start his ministry? About 30. So there was a blessing that, that, that rabbis would have for disciples. And it went like this. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. In other words, may you follow your rabbi so closely that nothing misses you, even the dust that he kicks up along the road. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. So when Jesus comes to his disciples and he says follow me this is what he's talking about to be a disciple is to follow Jesus to try to be like him that's why Peter wants to get out of the boat and walk on the water because he's supposed to be like his rabbi and if my rabbi can do it then I can do it, it means that every part of your life is supposed to be about being like your rabbi Jesus even states this in Luke 640 he's doing some other teaching but he says a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. He doesn't say everybody who's fully trained is going to know what his teacher knows. He said when you're fully trained, you will be like your teacher. 
See, we have bought into some dangerous ideas that, that being a disciple just means knowing something. And, and, and another lie that I think we bought into is this idea of a spiritual life. Like I have a sacred life, a, a secular life, like, and then I have my personal spiritual life. I think if you tried to talk to Jesus about his spiritual life, he would be so confused. I don't think Paul would understand spiritual life. Like as opposed to what? For them, all of life was spiritual. Spiritual life is just another way of saying life. So it's a phrase that almost doesn't make any sense. To be a Christian was to be, literally, the word Christian means, like a little Christ. To be a little version of Jesus. Somebody trying to be like Jesus walking around on this world. Somebody disciplining themselves into Christ-likeness. Now, we don't like that word discipline. It's mostly used in our day as a negative term. Like, do you discipline? How do you discipline your children? Right? Discipline for something wrong. But disciplining your children, that's like the very end of a whole process of trying to get your children to behave the way you believe they're supposed to behave. The discipline starts way before. The discipline starts way before when you actually are setting the expectation that then punishment comes later when that expectation isn't fulfilled. But the whole process is trying to discipline, trying to get your child to be who you want them to be. So are you disciplining yourself in the ways of Christ? Like, are you actively doing things, disciplines, working at, trying to be like Christ? And if I look at your life, can I see glimpses of Christ because you're so much like him, that you're copying him? That's what it means to be a disciple. Christ should be discipling you, disciplining you, which takes effort. It takes practice. In the last few months, I've been trying to make some some discipline changes in my life related to my weight. And I started doing this thing called CrossFit three times a week, which is pretty pretty killer workouts. I'm trying to eat clean, a little eat differently. Uh, and along the way, I'm, I'm coming, but it's not easy, right? Like I don't feel like getting up at six a.m. to work out. I don't feel like passing on goodies. I might kill someone for some peanut butter M and M's right now. But if I want to get thinner and I want to get stronger, I have to do the work. Okay, I have to use the muscle to break it down so that it builds back up stronger. To eat meals, I have to plan. I have to, see, I have to plan my meals so that I don't eat junk food. So I don't just eat what's fast and what's easy. That's why a lot of us don't do it. That's why most of my life I haven't done all this stuff. And just like many of us don't eat how we should and we don't exercise like our doctor tells us we should every year, a lot of us don't do any faith workouts. If today in church is for 50 minutes is the only spiritual exercise that you get this week, then you are out of shape, spiritually speaking. Okay, then you are, you, okay, and, and, uh, and you're not in fighting shape. And then when a, when a pandemic comes along or when you get bad news or when you go through a, a season of grief, you haven't exercised for it. It's like, it's like having marathon, asking, being asked to do a marathon and, and for the last couple of years you've been watching workout videos but not actually working out. Like the watching the workout video didn't help you at all. So what the church has done is developed some exercises practices they called them disciplines because they are what disciples do they discipline themselves and so you 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 work out your Jesus following muscles 
And there are a lot of different ones, way more than I can cover today, and we could probably do all summer on this or a class on this sometime. It, it's, there's a lot to this. But let me just give you an intro. Okay, there's, there's really kind of three categories of disciplines. Inward disciplines, outward disciplines, and corporate disciplines. Inward disciplines are things that you do in your heart and your mind to exercise your soul. They things like prayer, meditation, fasting, study. That, those all happen inside. Outward disciplines are practices you do with your body and in the world. They're about taking what Christ is doing in you and working them into action. This could be solitude, service, discernment, stewardship. Corporate disciplines, then, are some of the same things, but when we do them together. They're faith exercises like corporate worship, living the church calendar, and giving and serving in ways that combine our efforts to do even more, make a bigger dent in this world. Okay, so, so notice these three, inward, outward, corporate. And notice there's a progression to them. Like, I think you can work on any of them, and, and I think you need all three areas, and if you're missing some in either of the, any of these areas, it's going to weaken you in the other areas. It's like having really strong arms but really wimpy abs and legs, right? you gotta, you got to have the whole thing together. But, I, but listen to what Paul says in Philippians 2. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not so, not only, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do, to will and to work for his good pleasure. When Paul says work out your salvation, he's not talking about like working out a math problem, like figuring it out. He actually doesn't mean that like work out at the gym, although that's a little closer to the meaning. This is actually a really literal metaphor. In other words, Christ is doing something inside your gut. Work it out. Like it's not supposed to stay inside of you. It's supposed to work its way out into action. Okay, there's, it's like a visceral work out. It's almost like throwing up. Like get the, whatever's going on inside of you should not be just inside of you. Work it out. Get it going. We, do, we could do a ton of, uh, again, class and work on this. But, but if you could just start to get this big idea that Christ is doing something in you and that you have to discipline it to get in tune with it, to work it out into your life, and that that is what it means to follow Christ. Like knowing it is not enough. But you're working it out. Then there are lots of ways to then work on this. Let's just talk about a couple of them. Inward disciplines are designed to tend to your inner self. And there's a lot of ways to do that. But, but the basic understanding is this, that God is already in you. That the Holy Spirit is already within you. So you need to learn how to hear him and listen to him. And he, the Holy Spirit is not loud. In, in 1 Corinthians 19, God passes by Elijah in the cleft of a rock. And he's not in the wind. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the fire. What is he in? A still, small voice. God's word is... God's. God's spirit is like a whisper in your life. And I don't know about you, but my life is really loud. And that whisper is really hard to hear. And so I've got to tune in. I've got to be able to stop, quiet the world, and pay attention to the spirit that is within me. So how, one of the ways the church does this is in what's called centering prayer. Okay? And the big idea is to slow your mind down by focusing on Christ within you. And to do this, Christians would normally focus on their breathing and often repeat a little phrase. Now, I know you're in your cars, 
I know you're Presbyterians. This is really a stretch for you, but we're going to actually try this. Okay? So what I need you to do, even in your cars, I need you to sit up a little bit straight. Um, it might be better if you're in your cars if you roll down a window a little bit and get a little fresh air here. Okay? You might need that anyway. Okay, now, some Christians like to stare at a cross or a picture. Some Christians like to pray, close their eyes. I don't know about you, when I close my eyes, my mind goes crazy. So part of the hint here, when you pray, stare down blankly at a 45-degree angle or pick something to sort of focus on. And then I want you to breathe. And, and this, again, this may sound strange to you, but it's not that strange. If you've ever been to a doctor and you're in a lot of pain, what do they tell you to do? Breathe deep. Right? Breathe in your nose, out your mouth. Or if you've had a baby, you might have had Lamaze class where they teach you how to breathe. And you say, well, I know how to breathe. I've been doing this my whole life. But Lamaze says, no, when the pain starts, you're going to need to breathe a certain way. And you have to focus. Now, a word about breathing. You are meant to breathe by moving your stomach to move your diaphragm to open your lungs up to get air in. But if you've ever been scared, has anybody ever like popped out and scared you? And, and uh, you start breathing real fast, like with your chest. <sighs> like that's called a panic breath or a chest breath. And what happens is a lot of Americans, in particular Americans, spend most of their life breathing from their chest and not from their stomach because they're always panicked. They're always stressed. So what you want to be able to do, you might have to put your hand on your belly and take some deep breaths and try to push your hand on your belly. Okay, and you want to breathe in and out. And unlike Buddhist meditation, Buddhist meditation is all about clearing your mind. Christian meditation is, the Bible talks a lot about meditation, but it's meditating on the things of God. It's not about emptying. Christian meditation and prayer like this is about filling, about understanding the spirit and recognizing the spirit that's already within me. So sometimes what Christians will do is they'll pray. Like the Eastern Church uses a Jesus prayer. They say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And they might breathe in, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, and then exhale, have mercy on me, a sinner. But we're going to do a simpler one. We're going to breathe in and just say hope. Okay? Or just at least think hope as we breathe in. And then we're going to breathe out slowly. And when we exhale, we're going to just say peace. Okay? Now, you can, you're in your car, so you, no, but you, keep, you don't have to be too embarrassed. Okay? This is going to be much harder on the sanctuary service. Okay? So if you if you so you can just whisper that to yourself, hope as you do it, peace. And maybe you won't say it out loud. I find I often don't say it out loud. But I want you to take nice deep breaths. Put your hand on your stomach. And we're gonna do it. Okay, everybody ready? And this is very anti-Presbyterian, but we are doing it. Okay, give me about seven or eight deep breaths of hope and peace. Kind of stare down if you need to, and don't fall asleep on me. But give, um, just kind of focus, quiet your heart, quiet your mind, and remember Christ within you. So give me about eight breaths. Very deep breaths, stretch them out. This may feel really weird to you. 
And you might say, Jordan, this feels like some kind of Eastern religion. Exactly. Christianity is an Eastern religion. Like, put that in your head right now. Started in Asia. Try this, though. I mean, try a little bit of this. If you're one of those people that you try to pray, but you can't pray because your mind goes everywhere, try centering like this before you pray. Your person that has trouble trying to sleep, um, try this. Try some breathing, some centering prayer, and then your prayer. See, because the whole purpose of this in, in the inner discipline is to try to understand and recognize this still small voice within you. Okay? Um, to begin your devotions with it. And, and let Christ get in you in that way and be aware. And that's when prayer can open up. That's when listening to God in prayer can open up. This is where Bible reading, try doing this before your Bible reading. Because if you want to know what the voice of God might sound like within you, start reading what the God, voice of God already said. Get to know his voice. You want to discern God's will. Start to hear and feel God's. Because a lot of times when you go to discern God's will, he doesn't tell you. It's intuition. It's feel. And so you have to be able to quiet yourself to do that. This is why, this is another thing that uh, a lot of Presbyterians have not experienced is fasting. When you fast and your stomach growls because you're hungry, you're reminded, you're forced to come back to this center and pray. Now, once you, once you start understanding this centering prayer, this internal part, then there's the external part, right? It, there's, there's things you can do to help reinforce this, like silence and solitude, going for a walk totally by yourself. Have you, have you ever gone five or six hours that you were awake, but you weren't talking to anybody? You weren't listening to anything. Most of us have not gone five minutes of silence in years. Okay? Silence. Let the world fade away. Pilgrimage. Go to somewhere special for you. Uh, it's a walk in the woods. Uh, it's a, a beautiful chapel of your childhood. Um, it's why a trip to Israel or to the ark or to all these things can, can come get you out of life. Um giving and service, right? Whatever Christ is doing within me, if, I, if Paul's right and I've got to work it out, then how am I doing it? Living simply. Cutting back on my commitment so I can focus on the things that God's really calling me to do. Uh, making decisions based on discernment. Not, not deciding based on pros and cons, but trying to listen to this inner voice to say, okay, who should I marry? What job should I take? What house should I buy? Does this still small voice have a say in that? Now, corporate disciplines are, are like group exercises, right? Sometimes, as part of this Christian faith, you cannot do on your own. You're meant to do it with other people, to have some reinforcement, to uh, be able to hear somebody sing, it is well with my soul, when you don't feel like it's well with your soul. The disciples are plural. You go in groups. This involves uh, worship and prayer, reading scripture, a lot of stuff that you do at home, that I hope you do at home, we're just doing here in practice together. Bringing our, our giving and our service together to make a bigger dent in this world for the kingdom. Another big corporate discipline is the church year or the liturgical year. A lot of Christians are not as aware of this. A lot of Presbyterians are not as aware of this. But what we do, we have, just like there's winter, spring, summer, and fall, there's, Christian, there's a Christian year. There are Christian holidays, right? We are really aware of the Advent Christmas 
and then Lent Easter sort of cycle. But did you know next week is Pentecost? And Trinity Sunday is after that. And then summer gets to be sort of an ordinary time. And then when we come back in the fall, we'll, we'll get a couple holidays, a Reformation Sunday and a World Communion Sunday. There's an there's a ebb and flow to the year um, that Christians have been in touch with in a way that we are not as in touch with anymore. We could do more. But I just want to get you started thinking about spiritual disciplines. Because I believe the ultimate role of the church, North, one of Northminster's biggest jobs is to help you become a disciple. And I'm, I'm convinced that in the church in America today, we haven't always done a great job at this. And the pandemic exposed this, right? We couldn't meet for church, and a lot of people didn't know what to do with their faith because a lot of the other stuff they could be doing, you know, they haven't been. If you come in here to worship for 50 minutes, it is not enough of a workout to keep your soul exercised and to keep yourself ready for when hard times come. It's just not. Um, and in fact, the real bad part is, like, it, it, I had to do a lot, of ex- a lot of spiritual workout to get ready for this. The praise team has been practicing and preparing themselves. The choir is getting ready. So if you come to church and you don't fully engage and you don't use it as, as just one step in your workout for the week, it, it's like you are sitting right now through a workout video. Okay? It's like you, you own a Peloton and you own shoes, but somebody else is working out for you. And I have news for you. If, if, when bad times come, I, I walk through this with so many people. They lose someone. They get a bad report from a doctor. And they're not in shape for the marathon that they're about to go on because they didn't, they, they didn't do the discipline. They may know Christ, but they haven't disciplined themselves to be like him. And then when it gets hard, they're not ready. You gotta feel the burn. You gotta actually work up a sweat. Are you spiritually working up a sweat? And and ultimately, what does Jesus say in Matthew 28? He says to his disciples, Go and baptize all nations, making disciples. The ultimate role of a disciple is to make disciples. And this is where I think the church has really messed up. And I'm not just talking about Northminster, I'm talking about the church in North of America. Not only should you be a disciple of Jesus, you should be able to help other people be a disciple of Jesus. So if, another, if somebody who's new to the faith came to you and said, how do I become more like Christ? Could you teach them how to do that? As Paul says to his, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. But if, if we look at your life, are you able to be an imitator? Or are people able to imitate you to follow Christ? So how are you doing at disciplining yourself? Do you know what your rabbi knows? But, but are you actually becoming like your rabbi? And if you look at inward disciplines, outward disciplines, corporate disciplines, what ones do you have some and what ones are really weak? Like what, what, are you, what exercises should you be adding? What's your plan this week to be closer to Christ next Sunday than you are this Sunday? Right? Because I believe that Christ is standing there in your life, I believe the Spirit is within you, ready, waiting, and willing to draw closer to you. But sometimes you gotta discipline yourself. You gotta you gotta create the space to hear that still small voice. And who are you disciplining? Who are you discipling? Who are you helping along in their faith? May we as a church get stronger at this. At being disciples and at sharing our discipleship with others. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Amen.